welcome to the Station Tapes on 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and on this podcast, I share intimate interviews with some of the best musicians in the world. In my role at rope I get to interview each artist as we prepare for the release of their latest record. I want to get the backstory, a sense of their intent and motivation around their new release. I found that given the opportunity, in a relaxed setting, they feel free to open up about musicianship, life, and the challenges of being a professional musician. Welcome everyone. If you're not familiar with the name Anu Sun, you might not be alone. I wasn't until we connected and talked about releasing his new record. Anu has worked with Robert Glasper on some very important projects, Black Radio, the Miles Davis documentary, and most recently on the Johnny Cash project, Going, Going, Gone, where different artists created songs around poems from Johnny Cash. I got to speak with Anu and he shared his inspiration, the message, and the meaning around his upcoming release, Sanguine Regum. I am here for 21 Soul at the Rope It Up Room in East Philadelphia and I'm pleased to welcome a special guest, Anu Sun. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Louis? I am well. Um, I'm very excited that we are working together. I want to thank you uh, for bringing your talent over to Ropadope. Um, I, I want to start with wh- how we met. So I know there's a connection and it, it constantly it skips my mind. Who who sent, who recommended us? Um, it was Maurice. Maurice Brown. Brown. Maurice Brown. Yeah. Wonderful yeah, Maurice Brown. Yeah, he made Brown. the introduction. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're in a Pete Rock's band together, the Soul Brothers, and, um, you know, when I was finishing up my project and decided how I was going to put it out, he was like, man, you should holler at Rope Dope, and uh, he put us in contact with one another. Nice. Now, how did you get, you two guys first connect besides, besides Pete Rock? Well, Mo and I have been friends, and we, you know, just from the New York music scene since like the early 2000s. So we've known each other for years out here. We've done different things together and supported each other. You know what I mean? So it's just that's that's like fam right there. He okay. also just did some uh, work with us on this uh, movie I just finished for him with Robert Glasper called Mr. Soul. So we brought him in to uh, work on a couple songs on that project as well. Can we? When, when is that project coming out? It's actually doing the festivals right now. It's done Tribeca, it's done New York Film Festival. It's doing a lot of the festivals right now. So, so I don't know like what the next move is, but I know it's like it was even like in another fe- uh, festival as recent as this past weekend. So I just know it's doing the circuit right now. Good, good. Yeah, that's the path. So I, I, the reason I asked is I just want to make sure that we can talk about it uh, before we air oh, this. Yeah. 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 Um, it's definitely out there. It's been winning awards and everything, so it's, it's a good. Yeah. How did that project come about? Um, well, basically, um, the the people who are the, the music supervisor for that is uh, the same gentleman we worked with uh, on the Miles Davis Miles Ahead movie. Yeah. Um, he reached out to Robert to do that that score for that movie and. Um, you know, yeah, Robert Glasper and I are like production partners, so as soon as that came down the pipe to him, it kind of came, you know, he called me and was like, you know, this is the next thing, are you on board? And I got on board and, you know, just it just started evolving from there, you know. Uh, and we, that's how that's how it happened. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That that movie was wonderful. Um, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to seeing this. 
Um, yeah, it was great for us because it was just like a music lesson because it's you know it's a whole story we knew nothing about. Like I didn't even know that show existed, you know, and just to hear about something existed on 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 you know regular TV before Soul Train was crazy, you know. So it was just an honor to get to work on that project. That's beautiful. We need more of those. We need we need to bring that bring that whole uh, music show concept back. Uh, when I turned yeah. on the TV uh, the other day to try to see, you know, I, you know, I reflect a lot on what what's happening in the music business, and and one of the things that hits me is, you know, we're we're kind of losing the battle for people's entertainment time. You know, yeah. like yeah. nobody says I'm going to go home and listen to music tonight. You know, uh, anymore. Uh, and I grew up at a time when you did that. So yeah. Yeah, music is just like transportation stuff now. Like when you're going to work or driving somewhere, versus it really being a thing that people come home and dive into, you know. And then that's a sad thing. Well, I think it's coming back around. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, oh, for sure, for sure. So let let's you you were born in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I'm originally from Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Can you can you describe you know music and family growing up? Like what 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 led you to this path? Well, I mean, I come from a, a musical family. Actually, my dad um, worked with Wayne Newton from like before I was born. He was he was a he started off as Wayne Newton's bodyguard in like 1971. And then he actually ended up being like his road manager and contributing artists, like a you know visual artist and writing on some songs and stuff. So I've, I've known Wayne Newton my whole life. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, my grandmother and my aunt, uh, they are like they're in fashion and modeling. And then my uh, aunt was an '80s supermodel. Um, so I've just been around music and entertainment my whole life. And then on top of all of that, my godfather. Kind of like my grandfather, uh, Lionel Hampton. Uh, wow. So, yes. So I've been around it my whole life growing up. But Vegas is definitely a different experience, you know. And, you know, people see Vegas and they think that it's all about the Strip. But basically, the, the Strip is like one big 42nd Street. You know, there's life on both sides of that and all around it. But, you know, tourists hardly ever see that. That's fascinating. I would say that about every city, but it did, it never occurred to me to say that about Las Vegas. Uh, I think everybody does view it as just sort of a uh, the boardwalk of the United States, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, the so funny thing about it is that it has such an important, like a important role role in like the you know like the the early part of music when it was like uh, like the race lines, like how the stories of the Moulin Rouge, like how you had Sammy Davis Jr. and all of the big jazz acts that would come to town and play on the strip, but they couldn't stay there and they had to go to the other side of town to stay in the Moulin Rouge. And you wow. had Frank Sinatra that basically broke that color barrier and said, you know, if my friends can't be here with me, I'm not going to play in the hotel either. So there's a lot of things musically that happen there that people don't really know about either. Was it was it Quincy Jones that, that Frank Sinatra brought back did that with first I, I remember hearing that um, story no it was Sammy Davis Jr. and, uh, and of course and, um, and Frank Sinatra was the guy who did it but you know Quincy Jones was around during that time too but it's really that whole rap pack thing where you know Frank Sinatra was basically helping break that down that's amazing I, I, I that's I'm glad that we got that down because that's a really key piece um 
and I can relate. Yeah, some, I can relate to it. Documentaries out there about the, the the Moulin Rouge in Vegas is it was a sad story because what happened was it came back to bite, um, bite you know, bite the people because they made it where they had a black hotel and cas- uh, casino that was on the, the black side of town in order to keep the blacks out of out of the casinos. But what happened is you had all the top musicians who were staying there and coming there late night. So that club ended up being popping, you know, and they basically shut it down after being open. Like, I don't know, I forgot how long it actually was open, but they, they shut it down because the competition got heavy work. They, it became a hot spot for entertainment. Wow. Conflicted America, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. there's stories yeah. like that in Omaha, and there's stories like that in Kansas City, and New York. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Do you feel like we're getting anywhere? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I think the voices, the voices are getting louder, and and uh, you know, to oppose the condition, and then also the good thing about this current climate is that. You know, the, the wool is being pulled off people's eyes and people's true colors are being exposed. So mm-hmm. in order to fight an enemy, you have to know who it is, you know. So now we're knowing who's who and where people stand. So that's the good thing. But I, I believe it's a, I believe it's changing. Do, do you feel that um, for, for uh, and uh, you know, if this is not the direction you want to take, I'm, I understand. But um, do you feel that a... a uh, a black musician today has to look a certain way, like in the past, or you that you to look a certain way. Yeah, or that you can express yourself. In other words, you know, we see a lot of. Uh, um, you go back in the '40s and '50s, and even '60s. There was an expectation. I don't, I don't think it's more so today. At least, in my opinion, it's less about the look more so than about the content or or the form of expression is like you really can't be talking about too much or you can't be doing genres that are really you know considered non-black music but the funny thing is that they're all rooted in the blues but like you know you can't be a black heavy metal rock band coming out <laughs> you know what I'm saying you can't be like you're it's hard to cut through if you're a black country western artist you know right uh it, but like all those type of, I think it's just those those type of barriers are still those obstacles exist, you know. Yeah. Still, but with you know with the, the the gamut changing and with everything kind of being straight to consumer now, it's it's kind of changing in favor of the artist who's just basically trying to find a way to get it to the people and get it broadcast in the fashion where your audience can find you, you know. Yeah, and I think people have more choices now, um, so so that a person can find someone just based on the quality of the music or, or their particular tastes rather than a presentation of this was what kind of music this is. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you still have those people like, you know, the, 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 the Dap Kings and, you know, those type of people that rarity they cut through that are just that, that old school, raw, authentic type of sound that cut through. And it's great to see that, but it's just like, no, it's, it's a lot of them. Like you have no many, I have no idea how many bands it is up there like that. But it's like, for some reason, I guess we get a, a, a one allowance for every 10 years or something. It's, I, I, I yeah. I've been, I've been working a little bit with, uh, Angelo Moore and I've chatted with uh, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone, and and that's probably oh, that's one of those uh, I love, allotments. Yeah, <laughs> I, 
love Fishbone. Actually, I, I just saw them for the second time in like two months here in New York and then uh, saw them by themselves the first time, but then saw them with Living Color on Halloween. And man, those guys are still killing it. And it's just the fact that it's, they're still unsung heroes. Like they're, they're, they, they can still stack them up against anybody and I'm sure they'll take them down, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love those guys, yeah. They're, they're, they're right. They're right for a movie. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a, a bigger movie. Um, yeah. So let's pivot uh, a little bit and talk about the music that you're making. What what uh, what are what are your inspirations and how would you define your music? Well, you know, um, I, I grew up in the generation where I grew up in the MTV generation. You know, the '80s, where basically you had to watch MTV for five hours to see Michael Jackson's video once. You know, uh-huh. which <laughs> so it's like my music palette is why you know and yeah. and you know definitely come from Vegas contributed to that um, and the music the, the music circles and the musicians that I work with here are all in, in a wide variety of genres as well mainly in jazz because if you can play jazz you kind of can play almost any other well you can play almost any yep. other genre yep. so that is what it's rooted in so but my favorite music was like uh, metal, world music, uh, and soul and jazz, you know? So I, I've always tried to keep true to those type of things or and just present the music that I hear in my head versus trying to stay true to a particular type of genre. You know, it just so happens that uh, Robert Glasper and I are, have worked together so much over the years and we're so close friends that, you know, a lot of the work that, that's, people know me for has happened to be in the jazz genre, you know? So that's that's what's up with that. But my particular brand of music is a fusion of a, a 90s hip-hop, jazz, and R&B. It's like the, basically the 90s jazz, like in the 90s, the, the jazz songs that they would sample in, in hip-hop back then, but now you got cats that really play it, you know? Right, and right. So it's that type of thing. So it's that, it's that type of stuff, the maturation of that that form of music. It's fascinating. Uh, Robert's definitely been a pioneer in in sort of crossing the audiences. Um, I had the chance to speak with Russell Gunn the other day, uh, and, and similar as well. Um, I, I often reflect. I think there was a time in history where we went and said, "Well, you know, we, you, you shouldn't listen to the to the old stuff. You know, everything's got to be new. Everything's got to be future." And then there was a point where. You know, with that sampling, they brought back some of the old things, and now it's sort of okay again. You know, to go back and yeah. and hear. Um, I think yeah, that's true. I mean, I kind of feel like you should listen to everything, you know, and and uh, let it sort of absorb into your DNA. And and the the era happens is when people try to mimic that or focus so hard on recreating it. You know, I think it just it naturally becomes part of you and becomes a part of your arsenal when you just absorb it and really dissect it from a student aspect. And then when you start creating, it's going to be in your plan somewhere. Somebody's going to hear that influence, you know, if you're just naturally, honestly being you as a musician. Well, well, uh, who, who would who would your top five bands be? Oh, man. That's, that's throwing it down. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> um, it'd be it's crazy because I, I definitely have to put uh, Fishbone in there. 
Mm-hmm. I, and this is no particular order. I put Journey in there. Okay. Um, Doobie Brothers. My favorite band as far as grooves and songs is like uh, one that definitely Fleetwood Mac would be in there. Um, and then he's not a band, but he's he he has he's changed the the gamut of music and the way live music is. I mean, live musicians have played they play their music now. But uh, Jay Dilla, he'd have to be in there as well. Producer Jay Dilla, huge influence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned Fleetwood Mac. I mean, that that band has a really wide uh, variety of content over... Yeah. I think that band was 15, 15 years old yeah. before uh, Rumors came out, you know? But, yeah, and, and Nick Fleetwood, his drumming is so distinctive and so the texture of those songs, and it's just... It's like velvety. I love. I, I. That's just a term I use when stuff sounds rich. It's like velvet. I love it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Velvet. Um. So, what? Um. You have. You have a single out this year, and uh, you're preparing mm-hmm. for a full release in 2019. Um, yeah. What? Uh, How's the project coming along, and, and, and how are you feeling about it, and what could people expect? Three questions in one there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the single is out, Feeling. That was, that was fun to do, to basically take one of my favorite 90s R&B songs and, and flip it in a jazz format, Bossa Nova groove with, with Robert, and then add a country western group to sing lead. That's just a, it's just, <laughs> that's something that, you know, you can just say that to someone and everyone like, I want to see what that sounds like, you know. No so doubt. That's what that was all about doing for myself. So that's what that single's about. However, it's a far contrast from what the full project's about, the Sangrini Regum, uh, Regum, I'm sorry, that, that project's, that's done. And um, I can't wait to get that out because I'm not a musician or artist who just puts out music just for the sake of just putting it out. I I put it out when I have a message to say or, or, you know, something new to give. And, um, you know, I have enough enough other projects I work on just to be putting stuff out. But um, it's just a timely message that I feel is current that needs some things that need to be said. And, um, you know, I've grown as a musician and I'm, engine uh, music, musical engineer so mm-hmm. i just wanted to get that out of you know those that growth out as a calling card as well so it, it, serves, it serves twofold what would you say that message is well the message of the album is basically discussing the african-american diaspora and in, 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 in essence it's basically saying that like us as a people, we're basically the embodiment of the phoenix, whereas we go through all these dire situations over and over again, and and we find a way to rise out of it and come out of it, you know, stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it's like, and if we dive deep into what, where we come from and who we are, it's like, it's a, it's a regal tradition, it's a regal culture. We come from being kings and queens and, and being torn all the way down into slave and then adapting into that to where, you know, you, you rise out of that and you build a country for your oppressor. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you get torn down again. You know, it's like it's constantly happens over and over again. And we, you know, miraculously always find a way to rise out of that. And I think we're at a time now where we're trying to rise out of an, another dinosaur. 
Yeah, and and, and a new transformation. It, it truly is. A, you, you said miraculous, and you know it's occurred to me over time, and it's one of the reasons that that I get up and and go to work every day to do this in this challenging business because uh, you know I speak with folks like yourself and and Terrace Martin and Christian Scott. Uh, uh, and, he, and even Eddie Palmieri, um, um, although the, the circumstances are slightly, slightly different there, um, right, uh, uh, although it is still part of the same diaspora, it's just, it's just fragmented, uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really is stunning. I don't think there's any other story like it. I mean, there are plenty. There, there, are, there, are, there are quite a few dominant stories of persecution uh, in the world, uh, but there aren't any that are that are described the way you just described it. Uh, uh, a group of people who continue to rise uh, and adapt. Uh, exactly. With, with, yeah, without, without, as a diaspora. You know, with, without a specific yeah. community, uh, there are many, many communities, you know, Dallas, Las Vegas, Detroit, every, you know, on and on and on, and still remain connected and vibrant. Uh, and of course, musically, it's indisputable uh, yeah. that it is the music of the world. Uh, so th thank you. That's all I can say. You know, yeah, uh, I stand on the shoulders of greatness. There's no need to thank me. I'm just trying to earn my keep within this culture. You know what I mean? There you go. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you just did a project. Is some something to do with Johnny Cash? Can you can you describe that? Oh, yeah, that, that, was, that was fun as well. That that was something else that uh, I did with with Rob. Um, Basically, so the the gentleman from Sony um, Legacy, the label, they, they put out the, the the two projects that we did for Miles Davis, the Everything's Beautiful album, and they also put out the soundtrack for the movie, the Miles Ahead movie. Um, once those projects wrapped, um, you know that same A and R is over the, the Johnny Cash catalog, mm -hmm. and they were working on a new Johnny Cash album that basically were all these major artists were taking songs from this book of poetry that Johnny Cash wrote before he passed away called Forever Words. And it's basically, uh, they have all these artists like pick out a poem from the book and make an original song based off the poem that they, they, they uh, picked wow. from the book. And um, like, so you have like Chris, this is the last project that Chris Cornell from Soundgarden recorded on before he passed away oh my. um we got elvis costello john mellencamp so it's like this album of heavy hitters but then they hit up rob to do a song <laughs> and it's like it's like me rob and uh ro james on the song you know you know it, it was a cool thing to do because they pitched it and we're like uh heck yeah it's a great opportunity to do but it's you know we don't know what we're going to do but we want to be a part of this you know so yeah um, we 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 record in my my apartment in Harlem. So Johnny Cash's son came up to the apartment. You know we 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 uh we we didn't know he didn't have an approach. We didn't have an approach. We just came up here, ate some catfish, had some cocktails, and talked about what we wanted to do. Read a couple poems, and the poem that stuck out to us was the "Gone Gone Gone" poem. Yeah. And um, we just started tracking in the studio. Just started making up a hook or like underlining words that stuck out to us and then um we got a groove down the chorus and then after we uh tracked that i later 
um, had a friend who worked with Ro James, who was managing him at the time, and uh, reached out to him because he was a new upcoming R&B singer with a good reputation, you know. So we just we wanted to get him involved, and he came in and did the the featured vocals. So that's wow. how that came together, and it was just uh, like I said, it's an honor to be a part of that project, and it was a, a greater experience just to be able to work with. You know Johnny Cash's son, John Carter Cash is an amazing guy, and like mm-hmm. I said, he's he, you know it was good to have him hanging out in Harlem with us. You know, beautiful. I haven't heard it yet. I'm 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 intrigued. Is the track really dark, or is it? Uh, it's a, the whole album's been out. It's like it, it debuted number six on the um, Billboard charts. It um, I know it's um, up for a couple of different considerations for awards and different things. So it's it's out there, and it's a it's a really good album. I think you should check it out. It, you know, it's another one of those situations where there's some genre blurring going on in there. So. It's good, you know, and then like, when we did the project, we we're like, I don't know how this song's gonna fit. We're not gonna fit in, but it's just the way they put it together and the, the sequencing and everything. It's just, it's a great album. I'm gonna have to check it out. I, I, I don't often get time to listen to music that's not uh, my work, but uh, I'll <laughs> yeah, get yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, catalog so hard, heavy, <laughs> that uh, rope it up. Yeah, so many amazing artists. Yeah. But this is the kind of thing that I can do, you know, because, uh, you know, I was out the other night uh, and, you know, it's, uh, and it was just basically a band playing rock, you know, and I was like, oh, this is so refreshing, you know, <laughs> because, right, yeah. because I'm not, you know, I'm at work all the time listening to, a lot of people say the catalog is, is diverse, but uh, when you do it day in and day out, <laughs> a lot of it not, doesn't sound the same, but it, but there certainly is uh, a common thread through through most of the music. Yeah, so. it's a through line. Yeah, yeah. definitely, I'm definitely. Yeah, it's funny because like I, you know, I'm a fan of the of the label and the artist on it, and it's like just how you said it, you can find a through line. It, it, it's like I don't see how I fit there. I think I'm going to be the odd kid in much when I when I when I come out. But you know, I I think that that that's gonna you know that's a good thing. You know, being different is good. I've kind of embraced that. Be, be prepared, though. Some there, there's this interesting thing that happens where, and and I don't think it's a reflection of us. I think it's a reflection of what, you know, the community, the, the you know the the community of musicians out there, where suddenly things will line up all, all of a sudden, uh, and and several records will come out around the same period, and there's a there's a three line, in in those mm-hmm. records. So we'll, we'll see how that lines up. Um, cool, th- cool. This is great. Um, I can I ask about your name? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I knew it was basically, you know, uh, it goes out to like the, it's a comedic name, Egyptian name. It's not my birth name, but mm-hmm. it's like a name where you go through the whole uh, awakening or con- uh, your conscious type thing when you make the journey to cleansing out your chakras. And then like once you come through as a like at the, I call it the point of zero when you're starting a life from, uh from a conscious standpoint where you've kind of cleaned out the chakras of the, the, the luggage and the sickness that you have and you're making really aware of decisions, that's the point of the new, a conscious, like a really, a total conscious person. Wow. You know, and then and, and then the, that point is not something once you arrive there that you always stay at. You know, you have to work to be able to stay there and be there. So that name is kind of, it's it's in celebration of a point of time and an acknowledgement of a point, but it's you know it's not saying that I'm always there or or I'm and that entity is just saying that you know it's a celebration of consciousness and then sun, uh, S U N that just that's the male attribute the masculine attribute. Wow. So, 
I'm wow. your son. So it's like a conscious man. You know what I mean? Trying to, and it's sort of a mantra to when you repeat and hear your name to remind you, doesn't it? Yeah. Of, yeah, of that point. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, well, I am really looking forward to um, working together uh, to, to get this record out to people's ears. Uh, for people who are listening, uh, tune into ropeadope.com or uh, uh, Mixcloud at 21 Soul, and uh, all the information will be there. Uh, and we can track uh, uh, the release. Uh, is there anything else that you would want to say about the album uh, as we wrap up? Um. Just get ready, man. It's it's a journey, like I said. It's a it's a, it's really gonna be a story. It's gonna open a lot of conversations. It's gonna pull some scabs off of some wounds and and really just dissect the journey. And I, I'm really looking forward to that. Beautiful, beautiful. We're ready. And thank you for doing yeah. what you do, Anu Son. Uh, I appreciate you. Thanks. Well, that's our show for the week. Thanks for listening to the station tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul. And you can also find us on Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. Our 21 Soul video series features in-person interviews, music discussion, and live performances. And you can find that on YouTube at Ropeadope99. Big thanks to our producer, Nick Perry. Our general manager is Fran DeRubo. The Station Tapes theme song is from Red Hook Soul by Michael Blake. And big thanks to all the people who keep the flame burning, to all the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and thanks to those of you who are taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy the show.